transition. We did it. Woo! That was some good worship. It's, uh, it's a little hot in here. Providentially, Susan brought me some water, so that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Woo! Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Sometimes I just don't know. It takes, tw- it takes twice to get it nice. Um, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, uh, as many of you know, uh, the team that's going to Honduras is leaving. We'll be here next week, um, but we're leaving that next after Sunday. Uh, and so if you guys would start praying for that trip, we're taking, I don't remember, 14 or something out there, including, I don't know if you guys remember the girl that came out here from Miami because she like goes to our church online, Ada. Um, she's going with us, so... And she's not weird or anything, so it's going to be okay. Uh, we're way more weird than she is. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. I just want you guys to be praying about that. All right. Let me just tell you something. People just don't know how to party anymore. They don't. There was a time in history when getting together to celebrate and party was a big deal. Uh, Before sort of the explosion of technology over the past 150 years or so, if you wanted to communicate with other people, you had to go see them. You had to hang out with them. There was no way to hang out or to talk to anybody by yourself. You know, no phones, none of that. Uh, There was no recorded music. So if you wanted to hear music, you had to play it yourself or go somewhere where people were playing or singing it. There was no, can't be in your car listening to music by yourself. There were no cars. Can you believe that? They got to run without them. So you would walk or ride a horse, if you had a horse, I guess, and knew how to ride it, to get where other people were, to get where uh, the people were hanging out. And getting together was a big deal. Now, if you were going to host a party back then, you did it right. You did it right. You showed hospitality, love to the stranger, as we talked about last week, philoxenos. That's the Greek word for love for the stranger. Very biblical concept, right? You would do that. And it was a good time back in the day. In the Bible, we have an idea of God's view on partying. The Israelites had these massive feasts, and they had to show up. It was a party that you had to go to. And they came, and it was a good time. There was a lot. I mean, it was expensive. They'd put, they'd put tithes in. They'd, they'd have these massive parties A Jewish wedding would often last seven days. That's how long the party would last. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, if I had a daughter there, I wouldn't be paying for that. Uh, Yes, you would. Yes, you would. It was was a huge party. You think your boss will give you a a week off because you got a wedding invitation? I don't think so, right? But that's how they work. Somebody's getting married, we're going to celebrate. We're going to get together and we're going to party and celebrate for seven days straight for a wedding. That was, they knew how to party. Okay, they knew how to do it. There were celebrations, and God approves. Jesus' first miracle was actually at a wedding. The greatest party that has ever been known will happen after the rapture of the church. Party that none of us have ever seen anything like. Revelation 19, 5 through 9. By the way, there's Bibles that look like this in the seats in front of you. If you want to look at those as we go through the scripture today, you can do that. If you don't have one at home, please take one of these home with you. It's our gift to you. You don't owe us anything for it. We want you to have the word of God in your home. Revelation 19, 5 through 9. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. 
And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent, all-powerful, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That's all of you Christ followers. Then he said to me, right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. The marriage supper of the Lamb is for all saved believers who follow Christ. That's who it's for. You have never seen a celebration like the one God will have for Christ in his church. The marriage supper of the Lamb. We're the bride. The church is the bride. Right? And, and we're going to come together with Christ after all that he has been with us through and all that we've done. And, and if you were still here when we get raptured, we'll just go straight to it, which is my preference. Because the dying thing doesn't sound that comfortable. But if it has to happen, it has to happen. Um, but either way, those of you who are saved, those of you who are Christ followers, you're going to be at that marriage supper of the Lamb. And trust me, it's going to be a party. Celebrating is exciting. It's fun. It's fulfilling. And it's part of the joy that God has for us now and in heaven. We see in the scripture the parties and the celebrations that God has for the Israelites and for the church now and what is to come for us in a thousand-year reign and so on. Christianity is not about frowny-faced, rule-following, grumpy prudes. It's not what it's about. That's the nonsense that you see on television shows. Oh, the Christian. That's the person who just doesn't do anything and prays all day and reads the Bible and is mad at everybody because they're all bad. Christianity is not about that. Christianity is a partying faith. We are full of joy. We love to be together. We love one another, and most of all, we love God who saved us. Jesus Christ died and rose again, and because of that, I can and I will celebrate who he is and what he has done for me, what he has done for us. That's who I am. That's, that's at the center of who we are. We're not dour-faced rule followers. We're partiers celebrating the king of kings. That's who we are. Keep that in mind. Jesus tells a story about a party, a great supper. This is in Luke 14. Let me find it here. Luke 14. And we're going to read starting in verse 15. All right, here we go. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Eat bread, eat dinner. That's the idea, which is what we'll all do at the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Then he said to him, this is Jesus talking now, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask to have me, I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. 
Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, when God has a party, y'all better show up. Right? The people who were actually invited to the party, they were losers. Right? They made excuses instead of partying. One of them even blamed it on his wife. What a loser, right? I don't want him at the party anyway. Come on. So the party, though, wasn't canceled. The party was thrown. And the people were found who wanted to party. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to eat dinner. You're going to eat bread in the kingdom of God. You are going to party. Some of you may be thinking to yourself right now. I, I know some people might be thinking, I don't really like parties. People make me uncomfortable. I get it. You're awkward. I'll tell you something you may not know. Now, this is something for you. You might want to write this down. We all are awkward. <laughs> we are all just trying to make it socially, right? We all don't know. Every one of us has gone up to the person and forgotten their name and been like, hey, you. <laughs> right? All, all the awkward stuff has happened to all of us, right? We get it. Awkward is rough. It's all of us. It's okay. It's okay. The beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that we share Christ. So we don't have to measure up in some social way. You don't have to be cool. I don't have to be cool. And it's a good thing because I'm not that cool, right? We can just be us and we can have a party. We can have a celebration. We can have a social life together. The cool guys, they're apparently out there checking their oxen and their pieces of ground and, and doing that kind of stuff, right? That's what the cool guys are doing. Then, then what happens is that he says, go out and get who? The poor the maimed, the lame, and the blind. That's us. That's us. That's part of our heritage, right, as Christ followers. We get to party because we were spiritually poor, maimed, lame, and blind, and that the Lord invited us in. This is our heritage. So why am I talking about parties? Because we should actually be at a party right now. Right now, we should be at a party. Sunday morning should be a party, should be a celebration. We should be celebrating Jesus when we get together on a Sunday. We should be thinking of it that way. We get together on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, the reason we do, people will get kind of worked up about this, and from time to time someone will come, what about the Sabbath? And that was a Saturday. It is, still is, Saturday, Sabbath. But we celebrate together. We celebrate, we party together on the first day of the week. Why? Because that is the day of the week that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Listen, John 21. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The stone was rolled away. Jesus is alive. And because of that, we have hope that we too will be resurrected to life. We don't have to face hell. We don't have to face death, the second death. We don't have to be slaves to sin because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That is why we celebrate on Sunday mornings. That is what we celebrate on Sunday mornings. That's why Christ followers have chosen the first day of the week to meet, to celebrate together. And they've been doing that since the first century. Listen to this, Acts 27. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, 
to take communion, to party together, okay? Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So that's the real news today is we're going to, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going until midnight. We're not going until midnight. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Why would they do it on the first day of the week? Because that's when they got together. It has been this way since the first century. We celebrate on Sunday mornings. It is still the time that we celebrate almost 2,000 years later. And we spent a few weeks talking about the Great Commission, our mission. It's spelled out on the wall outside this room. It's actually one of the few things that made it through the water damage and all that that we had. It's still standing there. It's still standing strong. This is what it says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the great commission. Whenever you are sitting there thinking, what is life about? What am I supposed to do? Check back to that. That's, that's the center. If you're, if you're in that direction, if you're doing that, you're on the right path. How does God want you to do that? Now, we've talked about in the last few weeks, giving, evangelism, philoxenos, or hospitality, right? True loving hospitality, loving the stranger. We've talked about being more welcoming for families with children, And we really need to show increasing hospitality, more hospitality for people, whether or not they have children, between the ages of about 13 and 50. That's where where people are coming, but they're not necessarily able to plug in because they don't feel like they can connect very well. We have a lot of that, so we want to do that. Of course, we show love, we show philoxenos to everyone. I don't care what age you are. Well, of all of you people, that's not the thing. But our goal is to improve our hospitality where we're not doing as well right now. Remember, we talked about that last week. On that note, just really quickly, a little announcement. The life group I'm part of, all of whom are between 13 and 50, are inviting the rest of the church on Tuesday night. Some of you have life groups. You, can, you don't have to come if you don't want to. But to have a cookout out in the back lawn here, we're going to play some What's the thing? Cornhole? Um, do, do some stuff like that. But all of you are invited. We're going to host you guys. You still have to bring your own food. Um, bring some meat or a dessert. Or bring some meat to cook because we're going to grill out. And then bring a dessert or a side and we'll kind of do the thing. We did a lot, some of these last summer or, or whatever. But we want to host you guys. So Tuesday night this week, if you want to do that, you don't have to. If you want to, we want to do that. There's no program. Bring anybody you want. Okay? We're not going to hit them with the gospel track when they get to, through the parking lot. It's no program. It's just time to be together, just time to party. Let them see how Christians party. This week, I want to finish this series of teachings on mission, which has really been aimed at growing us as a family here at Acts Church uh, by giving some very practical vision for how we do the Great Commission. Now, remember in the book of Acts, the church began on the day of Pentecost, and they grew. Okay, let's, let's look at this. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Should have left this open. Awkward. All right, here we go. I should have brought my glasses. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every 
soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And the church grew, and the church grew, and the church multiplied. And people got saved, and they got baptized, and they got discipled. We are the generation in the world today doing this. This was them in, in Acts about 2,000 years ago, and we're, the, we're the, the succession of them. That's what we do now. And we need to do it thinking like they thought if we want to have the kinds of things happen that they saw happen. And the church goes 3,000 people on the first day. And before long, it's 5,000. just keeps growing and growing because these people knew how to do what they were doing, which was eating their bread with gladness, with joy, worshiping God, celebrating, celebrating. I realized yesterday, so I was thinking about this, that what we do on a Sunday morning, the one day a week where we truly open up the church to the public, to the rest of the world. What we do on a day, we party. That's what this is. We celebrate together. Sunday mornings are for Christ followers, don't get me wrong. But they are also for all the people we invite from the highways and the hedges, and the byways, whatever byways are. They're for the spiritually poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. All of them are invited. We are throwing a party for Jesus. That's what we're doing here. And we are inviting everyone to see how we party. This is the celebration, Sunday morning, of who Jesus is. It's a celebration of our salvation. We don't need booze. We don't need drugs. We don't need sex. We don't need any of that stuff to party. I understand that some of you, when you hear the word party, you're partying like you go back to days when you were poor and lame and maimed and blind. That's not, that's not what partying is. That's, that's the perversion of partying. God's the one who designed partying. God's the one who designed what celebrations are. And when they're truly fulfilling, they look like this, like what we should be doing every Sunday morning. Inviting the people in and showing them philoxenos, this isn't just a good thing. This is your job. This is your job in the Great Commission. We are putting on a party every week. We're partiers, but we are also hosts. And I want you to think about this for a second because I think that what's happened is we've gotten to a place, maybe it's just a cultural thing or whatever, where more and more and more sort of professional Christians have come in, where pastors and, and leaders and people who are paid, they do all sort of the hosting of the Sunday morning party. And what that does is it makes people feel like they themselves don't have a responsibility to be that host. But the fact is, is if you're a Christ follower here called at Acts Church, you are called to be a host. You're called to be a host of this party. Now, I want to be clear about something when I talk about partying. I'm not talking about making things all aimed at somebody who doesn't know Jesus. We, we party through fellowship with each other, through baptism, dedication of children to the Lord, preaching and learning and taking communion. That's a good party to me. 
and it should be a good part of you. Nothing, nothing that we do in terms of how we do faith and practice, teaching the word of God, all that kind of stuff. That's all the same. The question is our attitude and our intentionality about hosting those who are coming from the outside. Right? We want to grow our relationship with Jesus and with each other while we are also opening our home. This is our, this is our home, Acts Church, you who are in Acts Church. This is our home together. Right? That that's what the church is. It's our home that we invite people into. And so, yes, we want to be, we want to, we want to be fed when we come, but we also are here to think about others who need to know Jesus. If you threw a party at your house um, and you invited people to come, you would be thinking about them. You would be thinking about how to serve them. You'd enjoy the party as well you should, okay? You definitely should. But you would be thinking about how to show hospitality to your guests, right? You don't expect your guests to come and adjust to you. You're serving them in hospitality. So, in other words, when your guests come over, you don't go, oh, somebody's here, okay, and let them fend for themselves, right? When someone comes into your house... What do you do? You show philoxenos. You show hospitality. What do you need? Can I find you a place to sit? Can I take your coat? Can I do the thing? Hey, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be fed. I want you to be well. I want you to, to know that you're appreciated, right? You're not making them adjust to whatever's going on. Hey, we're doing this over here. If you want to do it, whatever. If not, do your... That's not how you do it, right? That's not how you deal with somebody, especially somebody you don't know that you've invited to your house, it's too easy to think about, for us, how much we enjoy our own house, this, this building, on a Sunday morning, and not keep in mind our job, that we are also here hosting them, those who are coming in. If people come to your house, you offer them the best seats, right? You serve the needs, food or drink, you treat them, that's what you do. If you were putting on a party and you ignored some of your guests, you invited some people, you didn't know them well, and you ignored some of them so you could just talk with the people you were chummier with, and you're over here doing that and they're just fending for themselves, you wouldn't be a very good host. People would not feel welcomed and loved at your party. Think about how it looks if we come to church and we're thinking first about our own needs and our own comforts and the people we want to hang out with. And we're not thinking first about those who we've invited in on the one time of the week where our celebration, our party includes being open to the public. And if we're just doing our own thing, think about what that looks like. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about our guests those who we are inviting as part of our mission, as part of the Great Commission, making disciples. We should be serving them. We should be making them feel welcome at our party. We should be celebrating and we should be showing them hospitality. We have to think about what a culture, a culture of philoxenos looks like. That's what we have to think about. Let me be clear about something, just so that you guys understand. I'm talking to Acts Church right now. If you're a guest today, or you visit sometimes, that type of thing, we love you. We're so glad you're here. But this, may, this part may not apply to you. This is for those who are called to this church. You're a Christ follower. You're called to be a member of the body of Christ that we call Acts Church. That's who I'm talking to right now. And for those of you who meet that description, it'd be a good idea if you grabbed your phone or a pad of paper or something and took a few notes, because I have a few things to say. Not, nothing negative at all. 
not fair for me to tell you this is, you know, you need to have more philoxenos, whatever, and then not tell you what it looks like for us, right? So I have to think about what it looks like for us to be that church. And so I've made a list of just practical measures. These are practical things that I think of, because here's what happens, I can tell you. I get so used to what we do that I stop paying attention or understanding how it affects somebody new. And so I have to start thinking about it from, from the street out there to the parking lot, to the door, to taking your kids, to whatever. What does it look like for someone who's new? What does that look like? And then think about how we can make that better and better for guests that come to our church. So, number one, pray before you come that you will be intentional when you arrive. Pray before you show up on your way, whatever it is that morning, the night before would be great. Go to the prayer thing that we have on Friday nights, whatever you want to do. Pray that your heart will be intentional when you arrive on Sunday. That instead of thinking first about, I got to get my coffee and get the seat that I like, and I'll talk to the two people that I talk to every week. Before you think about that, and there's nothing wrong with those things, by the way, just so you're clear. That's how I would want to be too. Because I like our house, I like our church, and I don't think about, I'm not intentional about the thing. I'm saying we gotta switch that a little bit, be intentional. So pray about it so that the Holy Spirit can be telling you about it. Number two, some of you will like this, some of you will not like this. Show up on time. Now, on time, as my grandpa always told me, is actually early. Okay? Ten minutes early, I like that. Ten minutes early. How can you greet the people? And begin relationships with guests when you show up after the party starts. If you're the host of the party, which you are if you're one of the members of the body of Acts Church, if you're an Acts Church person, you are the host of the party. So if you don't come until late, what you said is that I don't care whether the guests have me there to see when they show up. I mean, just think about it, if we're thinking about it that way. Now, I'm not saying that you're, there's something wrong with the fact that you've shown up late before. There is, but that's just rudeness. That's not a, no. There, but I'm saying now we got to start being intentional about it. Now when the Lord brings us to us, we got to start being intentional about it. Show up on time. On time means early. And be ready because when people come who are invited in, if you're here already, first, it does a lot of things. One is what we call critical mass. When you come to a place and there's enough people and they're together and they're doing their thing, it, it makes you feel good and it sets the culture for the person coming in about what it's like to be here. You're happy, you're joyful, you're celebrating. This is our party where we celebrate Jesus, where we celebrate what he's done for us, right? That culture can't be happening if you're still on your way here. But if you're here when they show up, it can So I'm not, just so you know, none of these are about like, I think you're doing something wrong. These are things that, that I want, to, I want us to do because I've been thinking about how to be better for, our, for the folks who are coming, okay? You are hosting this party. You are hosting this party. You are the body of Christ called Acts Church. That's who you are. Number three, volunteer. Media, greeting, Acts Kids, coffee, the parking lot, we're going to start doing parking lot thing where we have a, a, a way so that when people come in, they have, like, if you're a mother with, with little tiny children or you're pregnant or you, or you have a, one of the handicap placards or whatever, we're going to make sure you get up here where you don't have to walk up the hill, all that kind of stuff. So that's probably going to start. If you want to do that, write it down on your engage card that's in front of you. And by the way, if you're new today, if you'd fill out one of those visitor cards, we'd love that. Communion, there's a communion team. The worship team, that does require a tryout. Um, and you're like, but we saw you up there. And like, yeah, because I don't have to try out because <laughs> I'm in charge. Um, number four, this is an important one. 
Hold your opinions loosely and your submission strongly. Now, what do I mean? When you volunteer, when you're part of a team, submit to the leader of that team, believing that God has called that person to lead that team and to instruct the people who are doing it and train them to do things the way that we want them done. At Acts Church, those who are doing the most thinking about this have asked them to be done. Instead of thinking, I know how to do it better, I have an opinion, I want to make sure I always share that opinion, and I don't really want to do what you tell me to do. Don't be that person. We all have opinions, okay? We all do, or most of us do. You, you, here's the thing. Sometimes it's, it is a good thing to share your opinion, so long as you hold it loosely. In other words, here's my opinion, and once it's gone, it's gone. I'm not, did you do it? Did you do what I said? Oh, you didn't do what I said? That's holding on to it. Hold the opinion loosely. The submission you can hold strongly. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes submission. But you know what? The Lord has called you to a church, and all of us are submitting to Christ, and we're submitted, we're submitted to the spiritual leaders, the elders of this church, and we're submitted to one another in a million ways. And if you don't understand that, and you think, no, 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 it's me and the Holy Spirit. I do what I want to do. You just, aren't, you just don't know the Bible. It's not what it says. So when you have a leader of one of these ministries and they go, hey, here's the training that I need you to do. I need you to do this thing, this thing, and this thing. And you think, no, I know how to do it better. I'll do it my own way. That's holding your opinion strongly, your submission loosely. Flip that up, you'll be good. All right. Number five, if you have kids and ask kids, talk to them about their role in serving others. And the primary way they can do that is by behaving. Seriously. If they're down there and they behave well, then when other uh, kids come and visit our church, then they get to hear what the teacher says without kids yelling and not listening to the teacher. They get to sing the songs. They get to see a culture of kids who are paying attention, who are showing honor, because the culture that our kids set is the culture that will be there for the kids that come down there. And I can tell you that new parents who come are going to feel much more philoxenos when their kids went into a culture that was good for them rather than coming back like, hey, it's crazy down here, and now I get to be crazy, Right? So teach your kids that they're part of this too. They also are hosting the other kids who are down there. And here's what I would say. Create consequences for your children that are effective to teach them to honor the volunteers down there in the children's and the Acts kids and to honor the other children that are guests. And if they don't do it, something should happen to them. Not something terrible, just something painful. All right. Be in the sanctuary slash worship center, whatever you call it, this, this part of the building we're in, at least a minute, at least a minute before the service begins and stop talking. Here's why. If you go anywhere, a movie, a play, or whatever, there's a certain point where our, our eyes go this way and we're doing a thing together and we're no longer talking to one another. When a class starts and the kids are still talking and the teacher's, eyes and ears on me, children, right? They do that kind of a thing, right? Because at some point for everything that you do, there's a time when we stop talking and a time when we start paying attention. And I understand that I, I love the fact that you all love each other and that if we, didn't, if we didn't start the service, you could talk the whole time. Some of you could talk the whole time to each other. And that's great because you love each other. I get it. Here's the thing. I, I promise you, I promise you that unless we get raptured during the thing or you die during the service, there will be more time afterwards to socialize, okay? When you go to a movie, and, uh, and you get that indicator 
the lights go down, we're starting. That's not when you start a conversation, right? You know the person who keeps talking. You're like, seriously? Right? You know how that is. Also, the ringer thing, guys, 2023. There's a little thing on the side of your phone. You flip it, and it goes off, and the ringer won't go off during church. I have never been in a public place that has more ringers going off in this church. It's crazy. I'm just letting you know. And then if it does go off, the whole taking the phone call while you're still sitting there, that's also something, I mean, emergencies are emergencies, but I'm not mad at you. Let's just fix it. Okay. Um, So much of what happens in the early part of the service is about introducing people to us. It's about introducing new people to us. A lot of what happens early in the service is for that. So when we do like the announcement video where it's like, hey, welcome to Acts Church, and you hear Amanda talking, and it's like stuff, it's like, hey, there's cards in the thing. I know you've seen that a hundred times. If you've been here a long time, but the visitor has never seen it. If you're talking loudly next to the visitor, they still haven't seen it, right? I'm just trying to get us to be intentional about thinking about how it works. The more that we go, hey, this is how it works, the more that we set a culture so that people feel welcomed. Because if they can tell, this is for me as a visitor, this announcement, and all the people who normally go here don't seem to realize that I can't hear it when they're all talking, that's not a good thing. Right? If we have one of the videos that we had this morning where it shows some preaching or whatever, it's to give people a taste of what our church is like. It's to give them, it's to give them an idea of our culture. And I want them to be able to hear it. So I want us to, when we get in, about a minute before the service, we're focused, we're ready. You can be praying, and, you know, whatever, being ready to sing. And, of course, you've all been here on time because you did number whatever that was, number two. So we're doing good now. We're doing good. Remember this. The culture of the church will be what we do. That's what the culture will be. What we do will be the culture. If we value the the service, getting here on time, starting on time, being ready to worship, that sets the tone. If we talk out in the lobby the whole time, ignore the first couple songs, that sets the tone. I mean, just you have to realize how much what we do, people are looking for indicators. How, what's this place like? How should I act? They're looking at you because why? Because you're the hosts. This is your church. So they're looking for how to be. Okay. And again, not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you what I've seen and how we can be better. All right. Number seven, be flexible. Pilates, I found, is the easiest. No, I'm kidding. Not that kind of flexible. Not that kind of flexible. Look, be willing to not always have things the way you prefer, whether that's the loudness of the music, the temperature. Sometimes it's too warm in here or too cold. Um, Be willing to do what staff um, folks and other leaders ask you to do without being offended. Without being offended, listen, the staff and the elders and the deacons and other leaders, they love you. But they love the guests who need to know Jesus Christ too. And they have to be able to speak sometimes frankly to you like, hey, can we not do that? Because there's a, there's a plan that, that we don't, that, that very few people understand the whole thing, why we do this this way and this way. It's pretty interconnected. And so just don't be offended. Just be like, okay, cool. I won't do that thing. Um, people are so offended so easily today. And because we all love each, each of you so much, we don't want to offend anybody. But the problem is, is that then we avoid all those conflicts that could lead to us doing a better job for people. And avoiding conflict leads to allowing or enabling dysfunction in the church. Okay? We're always looking for wherever dysfunction is because we're people. There's going to be dysfunction. There's no getting around. I put the fun in dysfunction. I'll tell you right now. 
it's going to happen, right? So what we do is we're constantly looking for it and finding ways to, to fix it, finding ways to fix it. But we have to be able to say to you, hey, uh, we don't, I, I need you to do this or I need you to not do that or whatever on a Sunday morning or whatever it may be. And don't be offended by it. Don't be offended by it. You, you guys are... You guys are solid people. We love you. You love each other. There's just no reason why we need to um, make things difficult for those who have to try to enforce sort of the things we're trying to do, okay? Um, So what I would say is get tough for the sake of the gospel and the Great Commission. Don't don't, Don't take everything personally. There may be a reason that we're like, hey, we need to do it things this way or that way, and that you're like, I I don't like that. I want to do it my way. And I'm just asking you right now, don't be offended when that happens. Hopefully, we can go back to this point if you do. Okay, here's another one just a little on the side. Don't get up to go to the bathroom if you can avoid it. Some of you can't avoid it. I get that, and I prefer the bathroom thing. We don't want to clean the chairs, okay? (laughs) But some of you can, right? Some of you have been to movies that are three hours long, and you didn't get up to go to the bathroom, but you come in here, and you get up three times, when preaching is going on and when it's not as bad during the music, but when we're preaching and whatever, and somebody, you know, a lot of people are getting up and leaving and coming back in, that's not great for people to be, it's distracting for people, okay? Now, if you have to go potty, go potty, like I say, don't mess the chair, but maybe go before it starts or drink less coffee or whatever. I'm just telling you, it can be distracting if a lot of us are doing it. I understand that some of us are doing it. If you're one of those people like, I can't sit without going to bed, no problem, go. Do the thing. Okay, uh, I'm going to provide diapers right out. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Nine, number nine, have an others first attitude. Philoxenos, when you come to church on a Sunday morning, be intentional and prioritize others above yourself. Be thinking about what it means to other people. Think of yourself as a host of a party, and act accordingly. In other words, whatever your role is for that. You may be one of the greeters, which is very host-like. You may be a parking lot person who's doing that. You may be on media, you may be, but come and do your best and do it. Yes, enjoy Sunday mornings. That is, I want you to enjoy Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are for us, for Christ followers, but we are opening them up to the public, and the more that we consider that and set a culture that honors those people like we would if they came to our house for a party, the more likely they are to stay, the more likely they are to hear the word of God preached, and the more likely they are to find the Lord through this church, God using this church to make them disciples. And that's what all of us should want. Last one. Prioritize attending, giving, and serving. So when you think about how you set your schedule, Give priority to being here on a Sunday morning if there's, a, if there's an ability to do whatever you're doing. If you're going on a vacation and you could either leave Sunday morning or you could leave Sunday at 2 p.m., leave Sunday at 2 p.m., right? If you have the ability to, don't miss, don't miss being here if you, if you can possibly handle it. Some of you can only be online. There's different reasons for that, health reasons, you're further away, whatever, that's no problem. But for those of you who are here or who are able to be here, be here. So prioritize attending. Giving goes without saying. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. This is just what Christ followers do. You put your money where your mouth is. You put your money where your heart is. I I don't need to go any further than that. Serving. Make sure that you're serving. You know that we need people to give that philoxenos all over this place, particularly down in Acts Kids. I need people who just love people. 
who are willing to be down there and just love these kids. We're working on getting that, uh, getting X kids into a place that can be super welcoming to families. And we need those of you who love kids, love people, maybe just can handle kids and love people. That would be probably enough. Um, we also need people for all these other ones. So prioritize those things. Look, I know to many of you that probably sounded like a bunch of rules. They're not rules. They're best practices for philoxenos. That's what they are, for loving the stranger. Right? I, I have to come up with how do we do this, and we doesn't mean me. We means us. So I'm thinking about how I do things, even the way that even the things that happen up here to make sure that they're as welcoming as possible. We're working on those things to make that happen. And I need you guys. You're the church. You're the church. I'm not the church. We are the church. And so that's why I'm talking about this. Not, they're not rules. The question is, what does it look like to do this well? And this is what it looks like. Period. And how do we know? Because churches who do this well, they tend to make disciples. And a lot of them. And we can say, no, they don't know what they're doing. They, they do. They're, they're, we can do that all, all day long. But the fact is, is that it's effective because hospitality is effective. It is. Why do you think Disneyland has so many people paying stupid amounts of money to go there? <laughs> because they have the best hospitality in the world. And they've worked on it for, you know, the last 60, 70 years. Okay? So I'm not saying we're going to be Disneyland. I don't want to be Disneyland. They're crazy these days anyway. Don't watch their movies anymore. They're, they're nuts. But, but as far as hospitality goes, they wrote the book. Literally, there's a book that they wrote on it or that somebody wrote about them on it. Anyway, these aren't just rules. When Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church, he had to deal with some of this, right? They, were really, they got it really into like speaking in tongues. And they got into their own. So they'd come in, and a bunch of them would want to speak in tongues. No interpreters. They're just speaking in tongues and doing thing. But that's the way they liked it. That's the way they like to roll. And this is what would happen. A person would come in from the outside because, of course, a service, a celebration, the party on Sunday morning is open to the public. Somebody would come in, and they'd hear a bunch of people speaking in tongues. They have no idea what they're saying, right? And so it was not very hospitable to that person where they're like, okay, that person's just making noise. So Paul had to tell them. And here was the principle, 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and then verse 40. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints... In verse 40, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. That's the idea here. The idea here is that we're doing things in order. We're actually thinking about how we're doing it. We're actually thinking about the person who comes in and what they see and how best, at the end of the day, we want to show them love, we want to show them whatever, but at the end of the day, we want them to hear the gospel and be transformed. I, don't want, I do not want to go before the Lord and have to have anything where he says, I showed you. I showed you how you could have been better at being hospitable to these people and you wouldn't do it. So I had to send them somewhere else. That's not cool. I know none of you want that and I don't want it. So I'm changing myself on these things. I'm hoping you guys will change the way you do some of these things. If, if any of this applies to you, maybe it doesn't apply to you, but it does. So listen, we should be doing things decently and in order. And part of that is being intentional about philoxenos. So when guests come, we're thinking about their experience. We're valuing them and their experience more highly than our own. Let's serve them by getting to know them. Let's serve them by answering their questions, right? People come in, they want to hear from a few people what it's like here, what this is about. You should be those people that are able to answer those questions for them. Start relationships with people. Ask guests that come to this church out to lunch with you. 
right, and pay for it, right? Do that kind of thing. Be party people in the house, players. This is, this is our party, okay? Community is not out of fashion at Acts Church just because it's gone out of fashion in the world since COVID. We're about community here. Remember this, church services are not an appointment. They are a party. Here's the thing. We get to the point sometimes where it's like, oh, we go to church. That's a thing. It's on the calendar. Like, okay, we show up. And sometimes we treat this more like an appointment that we do for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning than a party that we're going to to just love it. The attitude, which, which attitude you choose will dictate what you are showing to other people about what you think about worshiping God on a Sunday morning. If you come in ready to party, they're going to see you love it. You're celebrating. If you come in like this is an appointment, and let's get this wrapped up because I got lunch and golf after this, they're going to see that. Right? Okay. By the way, I'm sorry for any of you that are new, that don't know the Lord, that have come and kind of heard sort of a family talk. But this is important because we want it for you, if that's you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I don't want to, I don't want to end this without telling you the gospel. Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And he rose again. And all of your sin and whatever you came in here with, or if you're online, whatever it is, it can all be forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, says 1 John 1, 9. I can tell you because I know that what I've been forgiven from. At the end of the day, while we're talking about all this other stuff, is so that at the end of the day, you can clearly hear the message I'm saying right now that you can be saved if you will accept Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's it. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's it. That's it. You can have that. And all of us are sitting here thinking and thinking and thinking about how we can do better and better and better to love you well so that you will hear that and it will transform your life because of how much it's transformed our lives. And we're about you if you don't know Jesus and if you do. I love you all so much. And I, I want to thank you for these last four weeks being willing to hear sort of my heart and Pastor Dave did one of the weeks on this, on this matter. I know that some of it's a little uncomfortable and some of it's like, hey, we don't want to have to change. Um, neither do I, but we do have to. And I hope and I pray that you all will be inspired by the Holy Spirit to just excel in Philoxenos. That we might just excel as evangelists, as givers, and as people of hospitality. As people who bring the gospel. Let's pray. Mm -hmm.